Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Now a show that's going to give you the truth about the biggest epidemic of our times. We're all a little crazy. Welcome back to another episode of We're All a Little Crazy. This is Eric Hewson, one of your co-hosts, along with NHL great Theo Fleury. Our buddy Darren Ravel, unfortunately, could not join us for the second week in a row. So, Theo, we got to give him a hard time. <laughs> um, we love Darren. Get out of the crypto fuck world. Well, the crypt, in fairness to Darren, Darren put out an awesome tweet this week about uh, Naomi Osaka and... Um, her bravery with also sitting out the Wimbledon tournament now after the French Open. And the reality that shows to this wasn't just a publicity stunt for her trying to pull out of the French. And so I guess he feels like he's done his mental health duty for the week. <laughs> um, but uh, but we'll loop him back in next week. And there was a current event situation that happened this week. It was actually Wednesday which prompted us inviting these two guests on. And, you know, the format for this show all along has been, we could do the traditional thing that's out there with mental health podcasts where we can talk about people's stories and don't get us wrong, Theo and I think that's important. Stories get shared through the narrative of of what we do in this format. But we think equally as important to keep it relevant to everyone is to hear what is going on in the world, in the world of politics, in the world of sports, in the world of pop culture, and tie that back to how it's either directly or indirectly impacting the world of mental health, because this is just an evergreen topic that's changing all the time. And so the event that we're going to discuss on the show is comments that were made by former presidential candidate who, you know, made it pretty far uh in the in in the primaries andrew yang who is now running for the mayor of new york city and he made some pretty i would call them um misinformed comments comments that set us back and as we go into that after after introducing our guests i think i think we're going to be able to have a pretty awesome discussion about that because i think there's a lot we can learn from it and a lot we can move forward from so first guest is a gentleman named mark sturbina and i've practiced his pronunciation of his name for the last three years that i've known him but mark is a uh, former rugby union so pro rugby player out of australia national team player he's now a commentator here in the states for uh major league rugby we were introduced to him through a gentleman uh named john Kerwin, who was kind of like the Michael Jordan of rugby out of the New Zealand All Blacks um, and, you know, became fast friends. And it, I'm sure Theo, right, it's awesome to see Mark because we've got this camaraderie as a group Yep. Um, that, you know, with Tyler Hamilton and with Amanda Beard and with Anita Nall, this was our core group that got together when we first had a launch event back in the end of 2017. So the reason for inviting Mark specifically to this episode was Mark runs an organization that he calls winning EQ, right? And we'll get into what EQ is, but I think this topic of EQ is something that is an important piece of us discussing Yang's comments, Yang's comments as it pertains to how we talk about mental health and mental illness, the similarities and the differences between those two terms um, and how those terms are perceived by people generally. So, Mark, welcome first, but you're usually asked on shows because of your background as an athlete. And we want you on this show because of your brain, oh. and because of, uh, <laughs> not that athletes don't get asked for their brain, but because of your brain, because <laughs> of the way in which you're able to slice and dice and really dive deep and look into 
um, the terminology of things and, and how they impact people. Oh, Eric, thank you. I don't think I've ever had anyone want me for my brain before. This is <laughs> flattering and daunting, and uh, but I'll, I'll do my best. It's a pleasure well, to be here. You, you have so far the best accent that we've had on the show in the 10 episodes that we've had it. Um, Makes me happy. Next guest is uh, a gentleman we were introduced to through a company that we were forming strategic partnerships with. And now he's involved with us with we're all a little crazy and same here in a strategic role himself. But when you hear the credentials, you'll understand another reason why from a slightly different angle related to this um, Yang story. Uh, he was a great guest. So Dr. John Rose is CEO of Accessible Beltway Clinics, which is made up of 16 integrative health clinics in the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area. He's a national expert on the opioid crisis and serves as a surrogate to the White House for the current and past administrations. He uh, consults for the Homeland Security, uh, DOJ, DEA, FDA, FBI, and other organizations on mental health and addiction. So as it pertains to us talking about politics, politicians, how politicians either do or don't address this topic, firstly, then do or don't address it correctly uh, if they do address it. So, John, welcome to the show. Oh, I really appreciate it. I love what you guys are doing, and it's an honor to be with such pristine guests. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We uh we take that we take that term loosely. Well, it was, it was funny. It was funny, Eric, because uh, I just looked uh, at my Facebook page, and uh, seven years ago today, uh, I received my first honorary doctorate from uh, Guelph Humber University and Doctor of Laws, and uh, I, I had a good laugh because it was like the look on my face is like, what the fuck is this guy doing here, getting a doc getting a doctorate? <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think John has some some degrees that we can look up to, but the rest of us are earning degrees in life. I guess yeah, exactly. That's the right way to put it. Yeah. So let me give some some context here. So so Andrew Yang is um, as I mentioned, he's in this debate on Wednesday for mayor of New York City with other candidates, and they're asked a question about generally about the mental health challenges that the candidates are seeing in our city and in fairness to yang you know i live in new york city of of the four of us I'm, I, I'm here i see it every single day and we definitely have issues here um since the 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 pandemic there are more homeless people in the streets uh there has been an uptick in violence from a factual perspective, that violence has been tied to the homeless people in the streets, okay? And I'm being very careful with the terms and the way I'm describing what I'm seeing. And so when asked about some of the challenges that our city's facing, and obviously I'm not giving the entire, uh, um, you know, dialogue that was shared by Andrew Yang, but this one in particular is the one that really stuck out to me that I unfortunately think sets us back tremendously in this movement of normalizing the mental health conversation. He said, and here's the quotes, yes, mentally ill people have rights, but you know who else has rights? We do. The people and families of this city. We have the right to walk the streets and not fear for our safety because a mentally ill person is going to lash out at us. So I have some pretty strong opinions on that. Theo, I'm going to I'm going to start with you because you and I we've shared the story that when we were first interviewed that week when Mark was in town and Marla Diamond was interviewing the group of us for CBS Radio and she brought up the stat, well Eric, are you bringing this group together because the numbers now gotten to one in 5 people are mentally ill and you and I looked at each other spontaneously and said it's not one in 5 it's five and five. She kind of was a little bit jarred by that. She didn't know where to take it, but it's it's really what we've hung our hat on now for the, the last three years that we've been building this organization. So when you hear Yang's comments initially, what what do you think of? What makes you uncomfortable? Um, uh, what are some of the challenges that come to your mind? 
well, it was the greatest commercial for big pharma that could have ever happened. You know, um, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a common theme in the political world of, you know, what I call stupidism. Okay. And, uh, basically that, that comment absolutely took the cake when it comes to stupidism, because that is such an uninformed, uh, comment. Uh, there's no substance to it. Uh, you know, it's a political tactic. It's, and like you said, uh, you know, it just adds more and more to the stigma, right. You know, and, uh, as an advocate, that's what, that's what we do all day long is fight through stigma. And so when a candidate for the mayoral, uh, mayoral candidate of New York says something like that, you know, it just, it just sets back the movement. It sets back people, um, you know, and it, it's just so uneducated, you know, it's so uneducated to make a dumb 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 statement like that because you know and this guy's running for a a leadership position and how many leaders speak in 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 that way you know it's it's i I don't know i i sometimes 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 that shit just wants me to make makes me just want to give up because when our leaders have no idea what the fuck is going on in the world and you know uh so so if if i go to new york i'm a dangerous person that's what he's telling me i'm a dangerous person because i suffer and and acknowledge the fact that i have mental illness so everybody just stay away from theo because he's fucking crazy and you know i think I mean? with that, like diving into the specifics and parceling out what his comments actually mean i think that's one of the things well, they don't mean but, anything well uh, well when i say what it means what i say what it means is how it's interpreted again one of the reasons why i'm having mark on on here is because diving into kind of the 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 human element of how do people absorb the nothingness that is said but they absorb it in their own way but there's there's two macro things theo uh, that you're touching on, um, you know, whether Yang was misinformed or whether that's a talking point of, of politicians. And, and before answering that question, cause I think it's a good question for John when you, th- and Theo, I think where I know where you're going with this question, I could certainly fill in the blanks, but I, I want to hear it from you. Please don't use the word misinformed there's that's just plain old i have no clue what i'm talking about i i shouldn't have a voice in this space because what he just did makes absolutely zero sense when you talk to people in who actually work with people who have mental illness so you know that that we're all dangerous people no no we're, we're not we we and 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 why don't we talk about the amount of trauma that political figureheads have caused uh, from the beginning of time, which which then allows him to make a statement like that? Because you know, uh, traumas traumas. You know, I, I was I I, I am you know, the number one guy that talks about trauma as being a, uh, a catalyst for all of this. And so, you know, he, he would have served us all better if he would talk about the reason why there's so much, you know, mental illness. And it's because of, of, you know, lockdowns, restrictions, forced vaccinations, you, you name it. That's all traumatizing to people. But do you when when you when you jumped on me for saying the term misinformation, do you believe a politician like Andrew Yang, who by the way, I'm gonna tell everyone out there, calls himself a mental health advocate? He's the first person to tell you that he's a mental health advocate. Do you not believe do you believe that his potential he doesn't understand the danger of his language? Or to your point about it's the greatest billboard for for big pharma, do you believe that there is malice intent um uh political gain by him putting the message out there in that way i don't i 
honestly, when when I saw it, I was like, "Who is this guy?" You know, okay. like who is this guy? Okay. And, All right, so you don't have a strong opinion. One, so so John Rosa, right? So so John works with politicians, right? And and I know you can't. <laughs> and, and I, I know you can't talk about specific politicians. So we're talking about politicians in the aggregate right now. When you when you hear politicians talk, when when you're discussing this topic, do you feel like they get the macro concepts? Do you you're obviously educating them because of your expertise in this area, or is it really like having to go back to square one in the elementary A, Bs, and Cs of what mental health is? It's a, it's a complicated question, and I'm sure there are several answers that people want to hear and what's fact and fictional. Politics is all, what I just said is the essence of politics. There's never, there's never a right or wrong answer. I, in, in integrative health, all we do is look for a reason or a cause. So I don't, I'm not, the horse blinders aren't on when someone comes in and says it hurts here, and then I just look here. I want to find out where it came from. And a politician's statements and preparation for statements are the same way. You can't just see what he verbal diarrhea out because it came up in the conversation. It was what was the prep before that debate to say, all right, what are the talking points? How's it going? What are the problems? The city's losing more people. More people are moving out than moving in. Economically, we're in a shit storm. You know, we got people that uh, the news cycle is showing people getting hurt in the streets because of either gun violence or somebody lashing out or the rest. And all this conversation is, well, we got to go after the people who were scared. We got to go after the people who aren't scared. We got to go after like they 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 prep in a way where it's like I, my, it's not even a talking point. It's like a mental preparation. The five and five is so correct. And guess who's the biggest part of the five and five politicians? Well, that's what Theo was just saying. Because they can't even talk or think for themselves. I mean, it becomes because it's it's such a liability because they're feed, fed so much information. They get on this neuroplastic highway, and this is all they're going to think about. And whatever gets spewed, they don't even know. I I honestly, it's hard to say that there was an intent on the big pharma side because the stuff I do with mental health and the opioid crisis, I could tell you. It is so disgusting. And if you believe in someone up there, you believe in the guy down there and they come from that family down there because it's just insanity. But it's hard to think is a did this guy maliciously want to to make a, a stab at the five and five or is he just so ingrained in, in his stupidity? as Theo would say that he's just making statements to think he's going to collect a group of people that say, you know, it's dangerous, though. It's super dangerous because even if he understands mental health, you make a statement that puts stigma is I don't even know, like, like the whole stigma thing. Right, but right. We're in the same boat. the real cause behind people not getting help because you just feel like you're part of a of a of a lower class, ugly placed person. I can't tell anybody what my problem is. It's no different with addiction. I mean, the open when someone walks down the street and someone's laying in the ground, you see an obvious pockmark in their arm and you walk by and you're like, look what you're doing to yourself. Like that's, to me, it makes me sick to think that we're not walking by and saying, oh my God, what did we do to you? Like we collectively as a society, like how did we allow you to get to that point? So. It, it hurts to think that a statement's made in a political soundbite without the obvious thinking. This man is not a stupid man, by the way. He did a stupid thing, and we can definitely lash like Theo has in saying that is just plain old stupid, and he needs to be stupid slapped because why did you do such a thing? But he's not a stupid guy, and he understands stuff. So the problem is if you're on that stage, you're going to make a comment that's going to repercuss from New York City across the United States and potentially the globe during a during following up on a pandemic that has kicked the crap out of epidemics that already exist in our country. That's a freaking problem, right? It, so, so John, it's and I'm I'm going to transition. I'm to not yelling part. at you guys, by the way, because I'm just pissed off. I'm just no, no, no. It's it, it, this is well. It, it was a very, it was a very divisive statement. Yeah. To, to once again, separate us in categories right. of 
you're mentally ill and the four and five, which is the tagline, are, you guys are okay. So you guys who could actually help in this space, the four to five could actually help people with their mental illness. Now you've separated us because now I'm dangerous. I'm dangerous and you're not. So, you know, which is typical, which is typical of how politics is being run these days is because they well, they want us in categories and boxes, right? So, so I'm going to share this is because I want to throw it to Mark and then I want to give an opinion on the question that I asked you to. It was a leading question. I'm going to be honest with you of what, what do I think Yang's motivations were, if any. Um, I, I went to school with a girl named Jenya Green. Her father was a gentleman named Mark Green. Mark Green ran for mayor, uh, was leading in the polls before 9-11, and then they had to, um, unfortunately, uh, postpone the election. But I, when, when I was in college, I would travel around with Jenya to watch her father speak. And John, what you just shared, there's this thought track that these men and women are on that gets fed to them in and 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 they're in this zone and they're like robotic and and they say and the, why am i bringing that up because i'm going to bring this full circle theo just said the one in five four and five thing we're gonna get back to that in a second consider that a little bit as we're discussing what was yang's motivation in all this that this is off the heels of something that we as a society are hearing not just from politicians but from other sources and other places. So let's let's go to Mark for a second, because Mark, I, I read the statement to you and I shared with you before coming on the show with the statement because I wanted you to at least be a little bit prepared for this. Take your hat off as someone who talks in the mental health space. Just, just think in terms of the everyday person because you work in a space of EQ, emotional quotient, right? Like how people internalize messages. When, when you hear that, right, and and I'm not, and to Theo's point, let's step out of the group of people who talk mental health every day, and you're the average citizen. What are you taking from Andrew Yang's statement? Yeah, thanks, Eric. Well, firstly, I'm going to say, yeah, taking the hat off as you as you asked is actually me just rewinding to a time in my life before I studied emotional intelligence, before I had to pull myself out of the despair of um, transitioning from one career to the unknown, what's next? It's been a 10-year journey. So all I have to do is just think about before I was reading up on what emotional intelligence is, what mental health is all about, before I met you, before I met Theo, you want to talk misinformed, that was me. So I was a member of the public that was like, oh, yeah, one in five, one in five. Now, the problem with that is, um, and again, just to answer your question in a roundabout way, but I mentioned to you before that just in my field, and, and Theo can attest to this, in, in professional sports, and not just professional sports, but male contact sport, there's already, uh, I guess, a stigma around being tough and manly and there's or it's already hard enough to get male athletes in in those kind of sports to speak out about their mental struggles so that existed in my little world but i wasn't um necessarily informed or uh aware of the the language and just how that stigma how dangerous that was so then when i expand out to what you're saying in, in just a general context just multiply that by the amount of people out there that that have been fed this narrative, this language around one in five. And if they're not doing the, the work themselves and, and getting curious around their own mental issues, getting curious around what it means to be self-aware and just taking what other people tell you is, is what's happening, then, yeah, when I'm in that state and I hear that, I and I'm not informed and I'm not self-aware, that I'm just going to believe what's being said and, and that's going to stir my emotions. So something that John said really hit me, um, and, and you've just emphasized it, Eric, about politicians, 
is that's their agenda. A lot of the time it's, it's, it's a self-fulfilling agenda. They're trying to get elected and they are crafting and they are careful as to the people that they're trying to appeal to. And it just sounds to me like they're trying to appeal to the people who, who don't think the way that we think, who, who will get scared and, and, and we are divided or they are divided. They are thinking, yeah, those one in five, we've got to do something about them. Yep. And, and, and Mark, I appreciate you taking yourself back in time before you were well-educated, you know, uh, just worldly Mark. Um, but what, what it, what the underpin of all this is, is what's been perpetuated by pharma when I'm now putting words in Theo's mouth, when Theo said what Yang said was the greatest advertisement for big pharma, what he meant there is when there's a thick dividing line between mentally ill and healthy, once you get past the line where you're now on the quote mentally ill side of things, and let's be honest, it's sides, what do I need, right? Which is the opposite of how John treats patients. What do I need? Because I'm on that side of mental illness, I need medication to get better. It's it, it it's 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 the only thing that's going to get me out of this, right? And then you have the nonprofits. I challenge anyone to go to the largest nonprofit websites. 2021, right now, we just had Mental Health Awareness Month. It was called Mental Health Awareness Month, not Mental Illness Awareness Month. And the top of their websites all say one in five people have mental illness, right? So. So then you, you you say, okay, this is this is what is underlying all this. Okay, Yang has people who are helping him write speeches. Yang himself maybe studies and reads articles on these things and 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 looks at books to try and figure out what's being said. Well, guess what? Most of the messages out there are about one in five, right? Unfortunately. And so in my heart of hearts, what I believe is. Yang, all three of you brought up this point, is trying to get elected. So he looks at New York City and he says, well, shit, with the outgoing mayor, what's going on here with de Blasio, it's been a shit show here. The people don't feel safe. I can pit people generally, I'm using this as a general term, against this homeless group of people where we're seeing more homeless in the street, okay, little nudge against the last administration, and I can be the one that cleans that up, and people will feel safer if I talk about that. So now let me explain how we're in different groups, right? And so what he does is he doubles down on language that's already being used, right? And so by saying what he says, he's putting these group of people who've committed these crimes into this category of this mentally ill group, right? And by doing that, the people who commit the crimes, I'm going to now dive deeper into this stuff because that's what we do in the show. And we're fortunate to have long form to be able to do it. I'm going to ask a couple of questions. Can someone commit a crime without being this thing that the DSM-5 calls mentally ill? Yes. Can some of those people who've committed the crimes so far that have already happened that have been a part of the uptick in New York City not be homeless people? Yes. Can they be people who were in their homes left and themselves don't suffer from this DSM-5 idea of mental illness and they're dealing with anger issues or they're dealing with explosiveness or they're dealing with short temper? Yes. Okay. So, what Yang did with those comments is he created these two different categories. He doubled, I should say, I should say he created because these things exist. He doubled down and furthered the divide in saying it's these people over here who are doing these things. This is the mentally ill group. And it's the rest of you who are being affected by it. You're the mentally healthy group, right? And how often do we, like, we see that with Democrat, Republican. We see that with... Um, social issues. We see that with climate issues, right? Like it's always sides. It's always breaking people into sides. And and maybe I'm super sensitive to it because I live in the mental health space. So I see it there more than anything. But I, I'll, I'll be candid with you guys. I had a conversation with my friend who is a lawyer 
well-educated guy, lives in the Upper West Side of Manhattan, and he knows what I do. So he knows that this would offend me. John, I shared this conversation with you yesterday when we were talking about this. And it's my friend. He doesn't want to offend me, but he's like, Eric, what else do you call these people? They're mentally ill. They're talking to themselves on the side of the street. That's a mentally ill person. How else would you describe it if you were Andrew Yang? And I have my ways that I would describe. We'll talk about that in a second. But like, we're not talking about like the 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 people who are just lack of education, like, you know, unworldly. Like there are people who study, watch news, listen to the messages that are out there, and they strongly believe in their heart that it is this separate group. That's what our society has been told for so long. And Theo, I hear you because I see your body language. So I want you to get in here. <laughs> so when I watch Fox, CNN, MSNBC, CBC, CTV, and Global, I see the people who are delivering the message are mentally ill. Okay? So there's no acknowledgement on that side, political, media, social media, that, you know, that those that are giving us these messages are also themselves the same people that Andrew Yang is talking about, right? So, and I would say that politically in the last, let's say 10 years, these people have caused or are a cause of increasing anxiety in people because it's all about fear mongering, right? They want us in fear. And then, you know, they've made decisions and choices where they take away community. They have locked us down, which makes us isolated. And for, you know, uh, as, as a guy who has mental illness, the last place that I want to be is inside my own head, right? And, you know, I work every day not to be inside of my own head, right? And so, but even if I'm, you know, not wanting to hear the message, it's always, always there. The message is always there. And it's like, it's, it's on the 10th amp volume, you know, of everywhere. Like I walk, like I'm an empath, right? So I feel everything. So I walk outside of my house. I feel the anxiety. I feel the anxiety in the world. Why? Because we don't know what the future looks like. And, and they don't want us to know what the future looks like. So go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. What you're saying is beyond true. And it's actually, there's a methodology behind it, which is actually sickening because you're very astute in the awareness of, of what you just said on how the message is being delivered by the people in and of themselves who have mental health issues. But there is advisory groups in behavioral medicine over the last same 10 year period you're talking about that are actually explaining to media and politicians on how to message to keep confusion. Because nothing, nothing actually works in a news cycle or in a political cycle unless you keep everybody so on their toes with confusion. I mean, look at the whole thing between mask, no mask, and six feet versus three feet. And, talk, no talk, go outside, I'm okay, inside, I'm not. It, it's, it's designed on purpose. And there's actually a whistleblower in the one advisory, behavioral medicine advisory group that was with the UK and the United States on how to advise messaging to keep people confused. And he is, I, I forget what his name is. I'll find out, I'll pass the information. And, and, and that statement alone says to me that these people are in the one and five well or, the, a part, the, or a part of the five and five because part of the five, and five. That's I, think, I think to, to lay the groundwork to lay the groundwork on that what we're saying by the five and five is we're not saying that the spectrum doesn't get to a place 
where there's greater severity. That certainly happens. What we're saying is when the when when on that spectrum someone gets to that place of greater severity, the common understanding of our society is that person is this damaged ill person that is a separate group from everyone else. And what we're here to say, the four the four of us are saying, and our organization is saying, no, we fluctuate up and down. And the reason I gave the example of the people who are committing those crimes in New York can be someone leaving their apartment that you wouldn't quote consider mentally ill, meaning they're not far down on the spectrum, or could be a homeless person that wouldn't fit the criteria of DSM-5. The point is we fluctuate up and down on these things. And when Theo's saying the people who deliver the news when he sees Fox and CNN um, and MSNBC, what he's saying is not that those people fit in this separate category that Andrew Yang is describing. What he's saying is within this construct of five and five of us all fluctuate up and down, a lot of those broadcasters fit in the far end of the spectrum of impact the way a lot of these people who are committing these crimes fit in the far end of the spectrum of this impact. And the messaging of what uh, Andrew Yang uses, and, you know, John, when you're saying that the media, um, you know, is there to confuse, right, and learns ways of confusion, let's take confusion out of it for a second for everyone. The way to, to for people to understand what's going on in New York is to say, we have homeless people. Within the community of homeless people, we have some of those people who are struggling with their mental health. Okay. Within struggling with their mental health, some of those people, we unfortunately have had violent acts. Why is it important to position it that way, the way I just described it? Because you're saying mental health, you're saying on the spectrum of mental health, you're saying us and our city and our group, and you're saying are suffering at this time, and you're saying may be involved with, as opposed to the way that Yang was describing it, which is it's mentally ill, they do this, this is what happens when you're mentally ill, and it gets back to Theo's point, which is then when you do that, the the, the real big danger is now what people think of mental illness, well, the kid who's in school who's got bipolar, the guy in the office who's diagnosed with something as you know common as generalized anxiety disorder, they're now a threat. That person is going to, they're going to be violent with us because they're in that mentally ill category. And that is a very, very scary thing for people who are on the farther end of the spectrum at different points in their life or for a long period of time, the way that I was for, for two and a half years. But it also, it just confuses the message generally and makes people feel like we have to be afraid of this group of other people that are out there. And it also, by the way, makes people who don't think that they're on that continuum say, I'm never going to be like that. You need to clean up those people over there. Mark, I see you shaking your head. Well, that, that was that was my point as well, Eric, with, with this narrative. What about the people that are on the brink of this category that we're talking about, that's where the stigma. So what's a better word than stigma? If we don't like stigma. I think, I, well, I don't love John. I know John doesn't love the word stigma either. Healing? Well, we, we just like saying that we're trying to normalize the conversation, right? Yeah, um, exactly. Because, because when, you, when you use the term stigma over and over again, one, you're reminding people that there even is stigma. That's problem number one. Problem yep. number two is the term stigma means forming opinions and judgments about another group of people. So by 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 virtue of the term stigma, it's doubling down on the concept of one and five versus four and five. They love that campaign. So think of the people, think of the people now that have we're on the spectrum, we have mental health challenges. And while this is in most people's mind that there's an us and a them, they're going to do whatever they can to not be or end up one of them. And, and and that's where a lot of the problems arise. I go back to my sport again. It's you keep it quiet if you're struggling because you don't want to be viewed anywhere near or close to the one in five. And 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 that is ironically to feed into that, that quite often happens that they will end up in the one in five if they're not sharing. Uh, seeking support because they're afraid of the judgment. And that word judgment is, if we're going to talk about it from an emotional intelligence standpoint, 
that's what it's created with uh, Yang's statements is them, he even used the term, we have a right to, like they have rights, we have rights. <laughs> it's a human being and you're a human being. So he's not a- Get off the podium. You have nothing to say. You have nothing to say, you know? There's no hope, no hope whatsoever in that message. None, zero. And, and, you know, as a guy who sells hope every day, all day long, you know, I've seen people at the very other end of the spectrum that Andrew Yang is talking about because I sit with them in the prison system. I sit with inmates who committed murder and are pedophiles and all that. And, you know, I believe that everybody has the opportunity to heal, put in the right environment. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy you said that, Theo, because what I was sharing with John, this friend that I'm going to go back to, again, intelligent guy, but like you you start to question worldly intelligence when you hear comments like this. And I hate saying this about my friend. I'm not using his name and I'll let him know that I was talking about him on this, but (laughs) he starts going into the specific types of things that are wrong with people. He's like, well, the guy who's on the side of the street talking to himself, that's a, a certain illness. And then you got the pedof- pedophile, that's a certain different type of illness. Well, the, guy then- who's t- the guy who's talking to himself on, on the side of the street, that's schizophrenia. And you can, you, you can you, there's different kinds of treatment that's going to help this guy. But instead, we're just going to point the finger and judge him and say, you know what? I'm glad I'm not that guy. Totally, totally. And Theo, <laughs> you know? you're 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 filling my sentences here because what I he was my friend was trying to say. Well, there's a the guy who's got schizophrenia has got this, and just give him a pill and he's better. The guy who's a pedophile, he's long gone. There's no way to be ever be able to get better from that or to manage that. Or and I'm like, dude, there's underlying mental health and situational life experiences. Yes, combined with genetics, but situational life experiences that led to these behaviors led to the way in which their brain is functioning or not functioning now. So you're going to make a decision as someone who's not in the space of mental health. This is me talking to my friend that these group of people can be saved. These group of people can't be. And the group of people that whoever you're claiming can't be, let's just lock them away and throw lock them up and throw away the key. Like, and this, again, this is coming from an intelligent person, right? And so that was eye-opening to me because to see the, the how much these messages have really just gotten people to the point where they see things in black and white. Right, so so your, your point to messaging is so it, – it's so fierce that you know this guy. You know he's smart. You know he's compassionate. He's a friend of yours, but he has a belief system. So – we're completely products of our environment. And if you don't think so, you're lost. Because you're totally, like, I always use an example of if you are taught that you can strap on a vest and walk onto a bus and blow everybody away and that's okay, and you're still mentally intact, you've never had a problem in your life, you were convinced and told and programmed that that was what you were supposed to do. Our messaging system is so screwed up that we're programming a most portion of society to think there is a them and us. You fix this. Here's how you fix it. Take them out of the the dictionary and only use us. Because it's only us. It's always us. It's never them. Everybody has a reason, whether it's a a genetic, a neurochemical, an environmental, whatever it is, there's a cause to the effect. And it's never the fault of the person who has to be going through it, period. You're nailing it, John. And, and and the reason I, you know, when I was trying to, he was asking me what would be the right terminology. And I was saying further down on the mental health continuum that we are all on, that, you know, we're all a part of, right? And thinking of, let's just even use a, a, a derogatory term, the homeless people, they are part of our, the way that Yang spoke, he made it seem like, these homeless people are not part of our New York City community. They're a different group. They're, they're, they're not people who maybe lived here before and, and, and fell on hard times. It's like there are these aliens that came in. And I want to read this because the S.E. Cup, who's a who's a political com, uh, commentator, you know, questioned Yang on Twitter. And 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 so Yang has a chance. He's be, he's given time to respond and to now clarify what he meant. 
And listen to this clarification in terms of what he wrote, right? Not put on the spot. He writes, I've been an advocate for mental health and will continue to be. I went to counseling as a young person. Okay. It's a good beginning part of the uh, of the statement. He said, what's that? Did he? I, I don't know, but but let's let's give let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Is it a political, you know, yeah, I went I went to right, of course, right? Like, like, you know, I I I I uh I let's be more vulnerable. What did you, you go, go to counselor a counselor for? for? No, question. no question, right? And I'm giving I'm, <laughs> I'm giving him a break only because it's Twitter and he's got limited characters, right? So after that, he says full context. I would say here. he has no character. Making a statement like that, he has no character. That's a fair, okay. That's a fair, a fair uh, take on the first part. And then you're really going to hate the second part. He says, full context here, mental illness is behind half of the Asian hate crimes. We need to, not, okay, this is the part that, that jarred me. We, There's divisive right there again. Okay, but then, then it gets worse and then it gets worse with divisive. He says, we need to get them compassionate comprehensive care and not let them languish in the streets so it's just it's phenomenal that john just brought up we got to get rid of them and talk about us here he is trying to clarify his comments and he's in thinking that he's shedding light and actually moving himself away from what was volatile comments he's actually doubling down on it and he's making it mr that are more dangerous than anything are these people messaging? Yes. You, you want to talk about the people who suffer and they're in the streets that have issues. It's a lot more harmful to make the statement and follow up with a, a, an uglier statement. That's much more painful, will cause more death, harm, and, and, and issues than the one person who happened to flip and did something wrong. So, so John, what category of mental illness is that where you double down? What would you call that? Yeah, that's breaching on insanity. Yes, exactly. There you go. You know, and and the and the people. So, so us people who have mental illness were dangerous. That's basically what what he yeah. said. Based on this conversation, yeah. let's think about who's yeah. dangerous. Yeah, and I would say that the whole political space is the most dangerous space right now. Oh yeah, hundred and and to Mark's point, and, and eloquently said twice, is that you feel like you can't say a word to anybody. They just made it so much worse for people to try to look for help because you you you're just you're categorized as that person if you say something. Well, and and well, that's John. And let's Mark. Let's use a sports analogy here. So, you know. I was a captain of several teams in my life. And, you know, I, I realized early on in my life that I needed everybody to buy in in order for us to have success. Okay. So some guys, you know, you need to put up against the wall and challenge them physically. Other people, you got to babysit, you know, all this stuff. But, but when the whole group, collectively comes together you, you 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 achieve the goal which you set out to do and that's to win right because as pre professional athletes we're paid to win and we don't when we don't win it should be a huge disappointment and we should reflect so that when we come back the next year we're better leaders we're better this we're better that i don't see that in this space right i don't see that in the space where we're, we're giving people hope, you know, the schizophrenia and the bipolar people. Yeah. You guys can have a great life if you do X, Y, Z, da, 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 da. But when we chastise them and we judge them and we point the finger, there's no way they're going to have a chance at, at any kind of healing at all. Right. And that's message is not out there. You don't, you know, it's another message that's, that's dividing us because I see it a lot now with Naomi Osaka thing. And then I saw it recently with, um, with, with this Andrew Yang comment. I don't know how you guys feel about this term, but I hate this term ableism. People who are fit into this one in five category that are now given this tool to say, you 
are speaking like an ableist, someone who's able to do things that we who are mentally ill cannot do, you need to stop doing what you're doing. It's another way of doing the stop the stigma thing. And, and, and the more we have these terms that put us on different sides and, and, and another, another, another term we should talk about is victimization, right? Uh, uh, Theo, we've got some, some folks who are in this space from a messaging standpoint. I'll, I'll try not to call out the message directly, but who they like being kept in this place where they are sicker than everyone else. And that feeds their, you know, their purpose, their identity. This is, this is who they are. And they want everyone else to understand them. That's what they say. But guess what? When you hold on to that, you're this separate category of sick that other people aren't and everyone else is an ableist. That's never going to get you to the place where we're all working in this together. Back to your team example. So it's a, it's a fascinating, you know, it's a fascinating conversation. It's a fascinating, um, uh, equation in, in, human interaction and the question has to be asked have, have we been handheld to this point where the, the by design this was the norm and I, and I, I i could only say you know theo i i vent to you every day about what i see with our social media channels <laughs> i've shared the information with mark and john on separate occasions these they don't let these messages out there these messages don't sell more product. They don't sell more services because when you give people hope and you allow people to feel a part of something bigger than themselves, they don't need, they don't feel the need immediately to reach towards the quick fix thing that gets them better, that they think is the only thing that's going to get them better. And so the only way we change this messaging is by having these type of long form conversations this way. And putting it out there and educating more people on what five and five means. Because I, I don't see from a mass marketing message this type of conversation happening and these type of points being being. It, it reduces the confusion. I mean, if you go back to what I said, and they're paying these behavioral medicine people to teach them how to keep populations confused so that the politics and media can continue what they do. This is not a conspiracy theory thing. I'm not like that. I'm just telling you factually, these people are hired and they're in place to do that. The minute you do this, this screen I see with four really good and smart and compassionate people that's, that put a, a directive to something that just makes sense to move forward, it takes confusion out. It makes it, normalizes something that they need to hold on to, which is pain, anxiety, depression, and sleeplessness. If you remove those from society, Big pharma, media, and politics are flushed down the toilet. It, it almost will never happen. I'm not going to stop pushing for it. You know, and I know, Theo, you threw your hands up before saying, I give up. I give up. It pisses me off to the point where I say I just want, we can't. We absolutely can't. You know, it's emotion that says that, but I know this group can find people that we're pushing forward all the time. We just got to keep doing it. Well, you said media, John, and, and I'm, I'm guessing you meant social media and that as well, because to your point, we talk about big pharma and the control that they need, that control over people. They need sick people for that business to keep thriving. Um, tech and app developers need people addicted to social media so that it's, a, it's an attention culture. It's an, it's, it's an attention business. And... I, I totally understand, Eric, why these kind of conversations scare these uh, these apps and these app developers, because heaven forbid we multiply this group of four that's having these conversations and get it into thousands or millions and, and probably won't be on uh, addicted to likes and social media because we have a, an understanding and a self-awareness of how damaging it is to us and divisive. Well, and and we we absolutely 100% need relationship to heal. We we can't do this on our own, right? And you know, I know in Canada that every single 
hockey arena was shut for the last 18 months. And in Canada, that's like when you go to a rink, it's like going to the Vatican. I was going to say, it's like closing church. Yeah, it's like, it, it is. And, you know, I've seen and I've talked to many teams, you know, on Zoom and all this stuff. And, and you know, we, we need, like, we need relationship in real time, not, not on Zoom, not on social media. Like, we need to interact and we need to be in each other's spaces, right? And so, you know, six feet of distance, holy cow. Like, I, I'm a guy that needs energy from other people like i need to be in your space you know and like i even find when i'm speaking now online to groups that i have to work even harder than i actually do when i'm live you know and by the time i'm finished i'm exhausted right so there's there's all you know there's so much stuff going on that uh but yeah we we need we need you know well Look at the first time we all met and we were all in the same space. Like that was unbelievable. The amount of energy that was in that space where we were all sharing our stories in that little hotel room up there was unbelievable. Right. And, and that community that you talk about, Theo, and then uh, Mark, when you talk about it on social media, I'm going to give people a peek behind the curtain because when I shared the banning and the, and the, and the, um, you know, the suppression that we see on social media with our message, people say, but Eric, you're talking about mental health. We see other mental health charities. It doesn't seem like they're getting suppressed. So maybe you're imagining these things. And what I say to them is, what do those mental health charities talk about? When it's mental health awareness month, they have first week is depression week. And all the people who believe they have depression or want to find out about depression follow during that week. And week two is OCD week. And week three is generalized anxiety week. Guess what? Just because it's mental health and just because it's charities and just because it's supposed to be people who, I shouldn't say it's supposed to be, it, it is people who have, I believe, good intentions. That doesn't mean that those- Alex and Zoloft. Right. All those messages do is they feed us into these individual categories that if I have depression, I'm talking to the depression people. Guess what? The OCD people will never understand me. The PTSD people will never understand me, right? The ADHD people will never understand me. These messages from mental health organizations continue to break us down into further groups. That's not good for what we're trying to do. That creates what John is talking about with the them versus the us. Right, perpetuates it. it perpetuates it. And, and so for people who want to put out messaging out there that creates the community that Theo talks about, the team that Theo talks about, the social media messaging that Mark talks about where the focus isn't on likes. Um, you know, what John talks about in terms of creating different neural pathways so that we're thinking about this in a different way than what we thought about it before. Look for the messages that put everyone on that same continuum, that talk about how we're all affected, that talk about how mental health is impacted for all of us. Yes, we have a specific way that says it, five and five, mental health on a continuum. Do I love the other messages as much that say mental health is health? It's not as strong, but it's still better than what's out there, okay? Um, it's okay when on some days when you're not okay and they say that to everyone, again, not the best because I don't like it that we're perpetuating the negative, but as long as people say on some days and it applies to everyone, that's okay. But when we start to just put ourselves, I mean, we have someone that we work with and I, and I have this conversation with her all the time. And she says, the only place I ever feel safe is in my OCD group because they're the only ones that understand. And I say to her, how are we ever going to come together? I, and I'm not trying to be mean and take her away from this group that she feels comfortable in. What I'm saying to her is, it's great you feel comfortable in this group. Now take what you've learned in this group and reach out to people in the other groups and say, here's how our experiences are similar <laughs> and see how you'd be able to lean on them and then be able to lean on you. So it's not just about this specific disorder you have and breaking out of these specialty groups that we put people into. You wanna get him a win, get him on this podcast and have him commit and understand what the four of us are saying 
and he can actually open up to an entire population base instead of segmenting it, that's how you win. That, and that it doesn't, it's not sexy enough to get the coverage, but just, you know, talk to everyone. It's us and not them. It's always us and not them. Well, and, and you know, as, a, as an advocate, you know, I've sort of taken on the mantra that, you know, I'm going to affect one person's life every day. That's, that's basically all I can do, right? You know, and if I get them thinking differently or provide hope or some sort of inspiration or whatever it is, you know, I think that's, that's all we can do. So, you know, I know that uh, one person who's going to listen to this podcast is going to be significantly affected by what we talked about because they have been questioning themselves the whole entire time as to, you know, where do I fit in this world? Like, where do I fit? And I don't like the messaging that's out there, but I really like these same here guys. I really like, I really like what they're talking about, you know, and, uh, you know, and we've, we've said this now a hundred times. What, what do we do as people? Well, we collect people, right? We collect people. And when you use a platform like this to get, them to turn on their own light bulb they never leave right they never leave right and mark you're part of that experience the very first time we all got together because the light bulb went off off and we said man i finally belong somewhere people understand how fucking crazy i am you know and my craziness is unique and what makes me an individual and my craziness is way more manageable than it used to be. So I'm winning. I'm winning, right? I'm winning because I'm not as crazy as I used to be, right? And I, and I found tools to manage the craziness, right? And yeah, I can fall on the other side all, all the time, but all I know is I'm making progress. And, and, and I think that's what's really important is, is I'm making progress. And I have the opportunity to be in therapy for the rest of my life, right? And, and I'm okay, and I'm completely okay with that, you know, with that statement. Well, and Theo, I think the, the word, key word for me is freedom too, right? So now the, the freedom to be authentic and own my uniqueness, right? And, and people are so scared and uh, and not free. They're trapped because they're worried about how they'll be judged. And I like what you said before about you, your commitment as a mental health advocate, because back to John's point and Eric's for that matter about Yang, Yang actually calls himself a mental health advocate. Obviously, he's got to be diplomatic and he's got to check the boxes and that looks good and that's good for his cred. Uh, John said, love to get him on the show. I'd love to ask that question. What is your commitment as a mental health advocate? What, what does that mean? at the moment we're hearing a bunch of words and we're hearing uh, what I'm hearing if I put the two and two together is as a mental health advocate you are committed to putting them out of sight <laughs> I'm an advocate for having you know mentally ill people away from us so that where we, we can all live in this utopian mentally ill free society like is that what being a mental health advocate is well, I guarantee you in that group of people, there's more intelligence in that group than there is in the group that he hangs out with. <laughs> yeah. John, John, who works with these guys, is nodding his head. So He's like, yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to have, you know, and I'll, John, I'll reach out to you more because one of the things that we promised when we started this show is, while we have a lot of relationships with athletes and we have a lot of relationships with doctors, we've already brought members of the media on and an Emily Kaplan and an Andy Katz. Um, we're going to go and bring politicians on and we're going to ask them things like, why aren't these things discussed? Or if they are discussed, why are they discussed in this way? Um, and so that's going to be part of this conversation. So this has been an awesome hour plus because it's really only the beginning of the conversation. But what I, what I hope everyone takes from this is 
being able to have four people who listen to the way that something's been described, not only in a singular event with the Andrew Yang event, but within the context of how it's been talked about for a long time and how that fits together with Andrew Yang's not singular comment, but then follow-up comments. And to be able to say, wow, there's another way I might be able to look at this. And I'm going to encourage my friend, the one that I was talking about, to listen to this um, because we need that. And I encourage everyone else who, who listens to this to send it to a friend. If you get if that light bulb goes off the way that it did for Mark, you know, for Theo and I, even as much as we were thinking about this beforehand, being in that room with Anita and with, you know, Kobayashi, the hot dog eater and all of us opening up. That was magical. And once that happens and you see there isn't these this idea of separate groups, we all have our own unique craziness, but that the fact that we all have craziness is plural makes us all part of the same team. That's what's paradigm shifting. And so we'll keep this conversation going. You know, we're going to keep it into next week. We'll have John and Mark on as future guests, whether it's whether we have them on with other guests. Uh, or just for particular topics. So really appreciate the two of you coming on. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll sign off for Darren. And, uh, <laughs> Darren, you're flying. How about that? Nah, he, uh, <laughs> he, he's, our, he's our captain, right? Um, but for signing off for Darren, for Mark, for John, for Theo, you know, I'm Eric Hewson. We're all a little crazy. Brought to you by the hashtag Same Here Global Mental Health Movement and the Hockey Podcast Network. And we'll look forward to speaking with you next week. You just heard we're all a little crazy. Brought to you by the hashtag Same Here Global Mental Health Movement and the Hockey Podcast Network.